Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Well, howdy, WCC. As you can see, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different this morning. i got my guys helping with this whiteboard. Um, for years, I taught Sunday school, and I loved using the whiteboard. It's been a while since I've done it, so I'm going to do it again today. And uh, it's not that necessary, so if you can't see it, it's not a big deal. But uh, I think it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And because what we're going to be talking about today is especially the two things in the middle, thoughts and emotions. And the reason I'm talking about that is in our study of the book of Hebrews, and I've said this, I bet I've said this 50 times, the context of the book of Hebrews is that there are Jewish Christians who are suffering, okay? They're Jewish Christians who are suffering and they're being persecuted by their fellow Jews. And what we see is at the beginning of their suffering, they responded in joy. So on this thing, we've got external, external circumstances, life, just things that are happening around us. So they were going through suffering. That's one, one way. They were going through suffering or persecution. They were going through suffering, and their response, their emotional response, and their behavior, we've got behavior growth, you could call it uh, obedience, uh, holiness, right? Uh, their, their faith. When they first started going through this suffering, their response was strong. It was emotionally healthy, right? It was spiritually healthy. So when I say growth or health, I'm talking about both uh, emotional and, uh, and spiritual, okay? So when, when these Jewish Christians were suffering at the beginning, they were, their response was joy and faith and, and love. That's another big part of, of, of growing in Christ, right? Love for the Lord and love for neighbor. That's the greatest commandment. In fact, if you look at Hebrews 10, if you have your Bible, we're going to do this real quick. But Hebrews 10, and I look, we looked at this a number of months ago, but Hebrews 10 uh, in verse 32 the writer is telling these Jewish Christians, again, who are suffering, he says, recall the former days, when you first started enduring this suffering, recall the former days when after you were enlightened, after you received the gospel, put your faith in Christ, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. And listen to what they, what they were dealing with, verse 33. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. So they were ashamed and, and it was embarrassing. Uh, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. Four, and look at their response, okay? So these are the circumstances, suffering, and look at their, you'll see this both emotion and their, their response and how they live. For you had compassion on those in prison. So they were loving people who were suffering. They were, they were reaching out in love to people who were suffering. You had compassion on those in prison. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. So they even had stuff stolen from them, but their emotional, one of their emotional responses was joy, right? So they, they joyfully accepted even when stuff was getting stolen from them. It was a wonderful response that they were, they were, going, that they, they were dealing with as they were suffering. But now look, look at 
but now what in which you can see in the book of Hebrews is as this suffering went on, both their emotions and their behavior started to suffer. So if you look at Hebrews 12, just a couple of verses, look at verse 3, and we'll get to this in a few weeks. Hebrews 12, verse 3, the last part of that says, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. He sees them growing weary. He sees them being faint-hearted. If you look down at verse 12, Hebrews 12, verse 12, it says, therefore, lift your drooping hands. He's quoting a psalm, but he says, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Drooping hands and, and weak knees is a symbol of exhaustion and tiredness. If you think about a basketball player, if you've seen an athlete, when they get tired, you know, they're, they're drooping hands. Hands are down, grabbing their shorts, they're tired. Weak knees are shaking a little bit when you're exhausted. So this is, this is probably not physical exhaustion. This is emotionally spiritual exhaustion. And he has seen some of them, and we've seen the warning passages in Hebrews about apostasy. Some of them, their response has been despair and sadness. That's part of their emotion. And some of them have fallen away from the church. They've fallen away from Christ. Okay? So that's what got me thinking about this. Uh, he, also in verse 15, he talks about the root of bitterness. So part of their response, one of their emotional responses was bitterness. Okay? So... He's seeing this, and I've, I was just thinking about how do you live a life of faith when you're going through suffering or in any other time in your life? And what I began noticing in the book of Hebrews, and again, it helped me to think and study more about this, is our emotions are very important, especially when it comes to our behavior and our growth and our holiness and all that, okay? So, and what I've I, haven't, I just haven't seen it as clearly until recently as we've gone through Hebrews, the importance of emotions in our conduct, in our spiritual lives, in our spiritual growth, our emotional growth, holiness, faith, all this stuff, okay? But what you notice in, when you read the scriptures, especially the Psalms, is the importance of emotions. If you go through a, a great practice that many of you go through is reading through the entire Psalms during a month, and when you start to go through the Psalms month after month, you really see the importance of emotions in the believer's life, okay? What this shows us is that God cares about our emotions and he speaks to our emotions in his word. These are some examples. Listen to this. This is from the Psalms. These are just from the Psalms and these are just a handful of examples. Psalm 4, be angry and do not sin, anger. Loneliness, Psalm 25, I am lonely and afflicted. Psalm 31, sorrow, my life is, is spent with sorrow. Sadness, depression, turmoil. Again, these are all emotions from the Psalms. That's why I have Psalms right here. Uh, sadness, depression, turmoil. Psalm 42, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? He's talking to himself. How about good emotions? Psalm 1, delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Psalm 4, joy. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Gladness, Psalm 9, I will be glad and exult in you. And we could go on and on in the Psalms, right? So what we see, though, again, is God cares about our emotions, and he talks about our emotions a lot. And that means, and I've been neglectful of this, I'm more, I can tell you this, I'm more of a thinking person. I read systematic theologies for fun, okay? So I, I like the thinking part, 
And sometimes, though, I neglect the emotional part. But the more I've been thinking about this and thinking about the book of Hebrews is just the importance of emotions. And God talks about our emotions, okay? And if you think that emotions are irrelevant, think about someone who has post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Or think about someone who has crushing anxiety or depression or even just regular fears and anxiety about finances or a job or relationships or whatever. Emotions are extremely important. And, and this is the reason why I have this arrow from emotions to behavior, our emotions have a huge impact on our behavior, on our obedience, on our holiness, our faith, our, our, as I said, loving other people. There is a massive connection there's a massive connection between emotions, either good emotions and, and obedience and holy behavior, and there's a big connection with bad, unhealthy emotions and sinful behavior. There's a huge connection. In fact, turn with me to Galatians 5 because I want you to see this. Galatians chapter 5. So I've got it up here. Galatians 5, we're going to be looking at 19 to 24. And I want you to see the connection. I want you to see when Paul's talking about, um, when he's talking about sin and is when he's talking about holiness, notice the emotional connotation. He, he doesn't just say like disobedience and obedience in non-emotional terms. These aren't like legal terms. There's a ton of emotion involved in both sin and in holiness. So look at Galatians 5, 19 to 24. Galatians 5, beginning verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And think about the emotional context. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Think about these. Enmity. There's an emotional context to enmity. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That those words are filled with emotion. You know when you're reading these things, when, when he's talking about fits of anger and divisions and all that, that's not just an unemotional term. Heavy emotion involved in this. And Paul says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, and this is a contrast with the fruit of the Spirit. Again, think about the emotional context of this. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are big emotional words that the Holy Spirit produces in us. He says, against such things there is no law. And then he says in verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's another way of saying emotions. Those who have belonged to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, okay? So what I'm beginning to understand, and you know this if you think about it, is, again, the connection between emotions and behavior. If your emotions are in a good spot, for example, if you're joyful, let's write some of them, joyful, if you're, what, content, right, if you're content, if you're happy, if you're at peace, that's another one. If you're just satisfied and joyful in the Lord, 
it is much easier to grow spiritually. It is much easier to obey God, to live a life of holiness, to, to be, have faith in the Lord, to, to be emotionally and spiritually healthy, to love the Lord and to love other people. If you're in a good spot emotionally, if the Holy Spirit is producing these good, God-glorifying emotions, it's much easier for your behavior and growth to be in line with the Word of God, right? On the other hand, if you're in a bad spot emotionally, if you're bitter or you're angry, I'll, I'll write down here, you probably can't see it, you're angry or depressed or anxious, right? These are all heavy emotions. If, if I'm, for example, if I'm angry, if I'm just furious, is it going to be easy for me to love other people? Is it going to be easy for me to obey the Lord and grow in holiness? It's very, very difficult. If, if I am depressed, if I am down, if I'm sad, it's really difficult for me to, to reach out and love to other people, to trust in the Lord. It's very difficult, okay? And you know this, if you're anxious and you're fearful, it's very difficult to have faith in the Lord if you're extremely fearful, if you're anxious about job situation or relationship or whatever. If you're anxious and fearful, it's very difficult to live lives of holiness, okay? And what we see is the Bible actually addresses this. God talks about this over and over again. And so what I'm saying is, we know instinctively that we should be concerned about holiness and faith and things like that. But what I'm saying is this spiritual growth, emotional growth, all this stuff is affected by our emotions, which means we should be concerned about our emotions as well. And the Holy Spirit, when he works in your life, he produces emotions like we just saw in Galatians 5, like love, joy, peace. He produces these emotions in you, okay? Um, this is Romans 6.12. You don't have to turn there, but I've got it listed up here. Romans 6.12. And it says this. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't let passion or emotions control you. That's what Paul is saying. Don't let passions or emotions be your master. Okay? And what does that mean? Well, let's, let's continue thinking about this. One, I would say this, I think the Bible makes it clear that having the emotion itself is not sinful. Think about this. This is uh, both Psalm 4.4, I already talked about it, and Ephesians 4.26. It says, be angry and do not sin. So it's possible to be angry and yet not sin, right? Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So when, if you're, in other words, we can have the emotion, but we don't let it master us. When we have an emotion, it's very, you know this, if we have a strong emotion, you can't flip a switch and turn it off, right? You cannot do that. But what we can do is, and this is what I want to show you in a little bit, we can control, we can work on our thoughts, which affects our emotions, Okay, so my advice is this, like be angry and do not sin. So it's possible to be angry about something. We have the anger, we recognize it's real, but as Paul says, we don't let the sun go down on right. We don't let the anger continue on forever and ever. We don't let it become our master. We don't obey its passion. So we can have the anger and then we can just say, okay, I'm angry now, I'm not, but I'm not going to let it be my master. And here's what I think 
Paul is talking about, at least one aspect of this. The way we think is we're very, we're very logical and we want things to have sort of like a cause and effect, right? We, we, we want things to make sense. And so I can have, let's say, an emotion. Let's say, um, let's say I'm depressed, I'm sad, okay? The emotion can be caused by circumstances, and I'll talk about this next week, but other factors can cause emotions. For example, if you don't get enough sleep, people that don't get enough sleep are much more likely to experience the emotion of sadness, depression. But here's the way we work, okay? We are logical. We think everything must have a cause and effect. So if I'm sad, I have the experience of sadness. Here's what we do. The way we think, we interpret stuff, and, the, and when we're doing, when we're allowing the emotion, the passion to, to control us, what we're doing is, is we can end up being very passive. And here's what I mean. So the, the logical cause and effect thing. I'm sad. Okay, it could be something I ate. It could be lack of sleep. It could be a bodily thing. It could be some circumstance. But when I'm sad, what I do is if I'm passive in this, I let the sadness be my master. I want to be logical. So I think cause and effect. So what do I do? I look around at my life and things around me that can make me sad. And what I'm doing is I'm looking for things. I'm looking for evidence to confirm, to confirm my emotion, okay? This is being passive. This is allowing the emotion to control you. If I'm sad, I want there to be a cause and effect. I'm logical. I, I'm looking around in that moment. I'm interpreting. I'm filtering things to look for things to justify. It's another word. I know it's down low here. To justify my emotions. So if I'm sad, I'm going to look around and find the things that make me sad. You know what? You can always look around you and find things to make you sad. Always. Even if your life is perfect, you can find things in the world that will make you sad. If you are angry, and you know this, if you're angry, something makes you, all of a sudden you're angry. Everything around you makes you angry. I'm driving on the road. This idiot driver did this, and now I'm angry. I'm, I'm angry, and this person at work did this to me. See what I'm saying? I'm allowing that passion to control me. I'm being passive. I'm looking for evidence to confirm my emotion. What God wants us to do, I think, be angry and do not sin. You can be angry, but don't look for evidence to support it. Don't be passive in this. Also, here's, here's something else I do. I do this all the time. I'm angry or depressed or whatever. And I will look around and go, I have no right to be angry. And you know what I do then? I get on passive. You're stupid, Jeff, for doing that. You're an idiot. You're a moron for thinking that you're depressed or angry or whatever it is. See what I'm doing? Now I'm beating myself up. I, I see nowhere in the scriptures that says if you have some emotion, then just beat yourself up. <laughs> I don't see that in the scriptures. Okay? We can have the emotion. We can sit with the emotion. We can say, yeah, the emotion's real, and then I can let it go, okay? And, and what I want to show you, too, is we're going to fight it with thoughts. We're going to fight, okay? Because I, that's one of the things I want for us in our, in our spiritual growth is to be tough. I want us to be gritty in our fight for Jesus Christ, okay? I want us to be tough, gritty, and fighters 
and not be passive and just allow these things to run me, all right? So, again, the biggest, there can be other influences on our emotions, but the biggest influence is our thoughts, how we interpret things around us. And if you're sad, this is what you do if you're passive. You look for things to, to confirm to make you sad. If you're angry, you will look for things around you to make you angry. And again, I'll talk more about it next week, okay? But what we want is to be active and to fight, to be tough. And how do you fight these emotions? How do we encourage good emotions, which then lead to holy behavior and faith and all that? How do we fight that? We, we begin here in the mind, okay? We start thinking about the way that we're thinking. We're active in this, okay? And in fact, if you notice the structure of all of Paul's letters, have you ever thought about the structure of all of Paul's letters? He doesn't start with behavior or growth or application or emotions. You know what he starts with? Thoughts. And here's what he starts with. Truth. He starts with God's truth. He starts with God's word, right? This is, in other words, this is, when I'm talking about thoughts, I'm talking about things like doctrine and theology and God's truth. That's why we have to know the word of God. That's why it's so important to have a correct understanding of God's word because then your thoughts can line up with God's word, his truth. Then you can begin fighting these emotions or whatever you've got with God's truth. And you can speak truth to yourself. I've mentioned this before. I do this dozens of times a day. I whisper God's truth to myself. You can find a handful of verses. I put them on my phone as a pop-up every day. Jeremiah 29, 11, God is talking to you and he's talking to me. I know the plans I have for you, Jeff. Plans for welfare and not for evil. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you future and a hope. He's talking to me that way. But we have to know God's word, his truth, in order to fight this fight. You see what I'm saying? Paul's structure of Paul's letters is always truth, doctrine, the way we're thinking, and then it's application behavior. It's over, the, the writers of the Hebrews have been doing the same thing. He's beginning talking about how awesome Jesus is. He's our great high priest. Then he starts talking more about application. Turn with me to, to Colossians 3. I want you to see this, okay? I love this. And you're going to see it more and more if you start looking at it. And if you find them, you, you send me an email this week if you see more of them. Look at Colossians 3. And again, notice the, notice the emotional content, okay, emotions and behavior. Look at Colossians 3, verse 5. Colossians 3, verse 5. This is content behavior, but notice the emotional aspect to it. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, right? Passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Again, think about the emotional context. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth, okay? Emotions. Anger, disobedience, coveting, lust, all this, emotions and growth. Now, how does Paul want us to get here to grow and to live lives of holiness? Look at the verses before it. Look at, look at Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. 
If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What does he say? Set your minds on things above, right? Not on things that are on the earth. Set your mind. How do you... How do you fight these sinful emotions? How do you grow in holiness and faith? You set your mind. It's your thought. That's how you do this, okay? It's over and over in the scriptures. We're, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we're to take every thought captive to obey Christ. We're not to be passive and allow the emotion to come over me and then I look around to confirm that my emotions are valid or whatever. No, I fight those. I take every thought captive. It's like a prisoner of war. I'll probably talk more about it next week. If we take a thought, if it's not honoring to God, if it's leading me down a path of bad emotions and, and bad behavior, I take that thought like a prisoner and I put him in prison. I'm not going to allow this thought to control me. I'm not going to be controlled by these passions. Okay? You take every thought captive. Romans 12, 2. I've got it up here. Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by, does Paul say, be transformed by focusing on your emotions. No, he says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, your thoughts, okay? Turn with me to Matthew 6. This will be the last example, but look at Matthew 6. There's also something very important Jesus gives us here. Matthew 6, this is uh, Sermon on the Mount. And again, I want you to see how Jesus tells us about behavior and emotions. He's going to be talking about anxiety, being anxious. But then he tells us to be active and use our minds to think about some things, okay? Matthew 6, verse 25. says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, I think when he tells us that, he doesn't then say, now, and if you are anxious, then beat yourself up. He doesn't say that. He says, don't be anxious about your life. In other words, this is the direction you should go. You should not be anxious. He says, don't be anxious what you, about what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what will you put on. It's not, and then he asks you to start thinking about these things. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So he's saying your, your anxiety, these emotions and behavior, then he starts asking you to think about these things. Okay, And then he specifically says, Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. In other words, consider and think about, you can look in creation, think about the birds of the air. And what does he say? He says that they don't do anything, right? They, they, and yet your heavenly father takes care of them. And you're, you are much more valuable. God loves you more than the birds. If, if God takes care of the birds, he's going to take care of you. So he's, he's telling us to think here. The next one. So he says, look at the birds of the air. Look at uh, verse 28. Why are you anxious about clothing? What does he tell us? Does he tell us to change our emotions? No. He says, consider the lilies of the field. Again, think. Think about the lilies. He says they are beautiful, right? They're flowers. And yet they're gathered up and thrown into the fire. And yet they're clothed in more beauty than Solomon was. God's going to take care of you with clothing. You don't need to worry about food or clothing. The main thing I want you to see again is you're anxious. How do you fight this? Not by focusing on the, on the emotion. It's by think, it's, 
thinking God's thoughts. It's God's truth applying to your real life. In the, as I said, in, when you are in the midst of an emotion, it is extremely difficult. And what you'll find is you're probably passive and you just follow, you let the emotion control you and you look for evidence to confirm it. That's the way we do. But it's really difficult in the middle of the emotion to change your emotion. But you can change your thoughts. And you can interpret things and believe God's truth. You can do this. That's why people who have depression, they get better when they start understanding what they're doing. They just get better. They do. It's something 90-something percent of people who, who understand what's going on. That's why, have you ever heard of cognitive therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy? That's what this is. Except God is the one who's telling us about it, okay? Not some psychiatrist. Now look at this, though. This is key, too. This is sort of how I'm going to start to wrap up. Jesus goes on, and look what he says at the end of this in verse 33. He says, but seek first, what, your emotions? Seek first your emotions, your emotional health. That's what you should focus on. No, what does he say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Here, here's a big part of this as well. Our focus, I'll write ultimate, our goal, ultimate goal, I'm putting ultimate here, ultimate goal is God's glory and kingdom. Not our emotional health. As much as I want all of us to have joy, God's glory his kingdom, the expansion of his kingdom. And by the way, the kingdom of God is not heaven. The kingdom of Jesus is, says the kingdom of God is right here. You're, if, you are, if you have faith in Jesus, you are in his kingdom, right? So the kingdom of God is expanding right now. Every week we pray, thy kingdom come. We want God's kingdom to expand on earth. We want to be stewards and be ministers and care about God's kingdom and his glory. So the focus of your life should be God's glory and his kingdom. What does that mean, God's glory? It means people, you should care about how people think about God in your own life. Does God look awesome to you? Does, God, does Jesus look wonderful to you, even in the midst of suffering? And I can tell you, Gail is bringing much glory to God in the midst of her suffering, Right? God's glory is our ultimate goal. We want people to see how awesome he is. And here's the trick. All these things will be added to you. You focus on God's glory. You focus on actively focusing on your thoughts and God's truth and speaking truth to yourself and, and not being passive. Your emotions will not change immediately, but they will change. Jesus will, the Holy Spirit will change you in this. It's a constant fight. It's not like a one and done thing. You do it once and it's over. It's on and on and on. But when our focus is on how awesome God is, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how awesome our Father is that he's a dad who loves his kids like crazy. How awesome our Lord Jesus is that he went to the cross for us and died for us and was raised again and we will be raised bodily like him. How awesome the Holy Spirit is that he dwells within us and loves us, and he makes his love known to us in a real way. When people see how awesome God is, 
then we're focusing on God's glory. Here's the thing. You focus on your emotions. You focus, if this is your ultimate goal, the trick is you're not going to get it. You may get a little healthier, but you're not going to have real peace and joy. Because what does Psalm 1611 say? In your presence, God, there's fullness of joy. It's you, God himself, that we need to be pursuing, not our emotions. Again, I want us to be emotionally healthy, but the point of being emotionally healthy is that so we grow in holiness and love and intimacy with the Lord and love for God and love for other people and are able to deal with suffering in a way that brings glory to him. It's about glorifying God. If you try to go straight to emotions, the irony is, and that we all do this, we all seek our own pleasure and happiness, you'll, you'll get there and it'll disappear like a mist. It won't be there. But when your focus is on, you know what, I, my, my ultimate goal is making Jesus look awesome. And the, and, and the next goal, penultimate, I think that's a real word, penultimate, it means right under ultimate, should be holiness and faith and all this other stuff, right? And then emotions are down the list. So I'm going to talk more about this next week. But I want you to really... Think about it this way, this week, as you're battling emotions, as you're battling sin, go back to thoughts, go back to what you're thinking about, bathe yourself in the word of God, in his truth, okay? I'm going to wrap up. Part of the reason I'm doing this, obviously, is for you guys to get emotionally healthy, right? Get emotionally healthy, to grow in holiness, but ultimately it's for the glory of God. Also, our, one of our missions as a church is to engage the culture with God's truth and I want non-Christians to see that Christianity makes sense that Christianity that God has something to say about all aspects of our lives Christianity is not making a decision for Jesus and then living however you want Christianity is not praying a sinner's prayer walking an aisle filling out a card and then living however you want when you put your faith in Jesus that's just the beginning Right? It's not, the point of Christianity is not making a decision and then punching your card so you go to heaven and then you do whatever you want. When you put your faith in Jesus, you're beginning a lifetime of loving him and being loved by him and knowing him. And it's a, it's a transformational thing, okay? So I want non-Christians, I want the world to see that Christianity has something to say about all of our lives. I want our young people who have not yet put their faith in Jesus to see that Christianity has something to say for all of our lives, that God cares about our thoughts, emotions, how we respond to suffering and all these things, okay? So, so again, God is concerned about all aspects of our lives. As the confession says, we belong body and soul and life and in death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He wants all of us, our emotions, thoughts, obedience, faith, everything, okay? And again, finally, I want all of us, both Christians and non-Christians, to see that being a follower of Jesus leads to a joyful and healthy and meaningful life. And this is the only way that you're going to have a joyful, healthy, meaningful life. And the beauty of it is it's not just this life, it's the life to come. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we love you. Um, Thank you that you do care about every aspect of our lives. I do pray that in this coming year, we will, we're all going to face suffering one kind or another. 
We're all going to face joys. We're all going to experience joys of one kind or another. I just pray that, that one, our ultimate goal would be your glory and the praise of your great name, the expansion of your kingdom. And then after that, that our goal would be to grow in holiness and grow in faith, to grow in intimacy with you. I really want my church family to grow in intimacy with you this year. I really want that, Lord, please. I want people here who are not Christians to see that the only way to have a life of joy and health and meaning is by being in a relationship with you. You love us so much. Gosh, that's... Father, that's why we talk so often about how much you love us because I want us thinking about that, which will affect our emotions and our behavior and growth, and ultimately, it's for your glory. So we love you. I do pray for folks who are suffering. I pray that, that throughout this week, if we go through suffering or, or trials or we have emotional responses, that we'll think about this. I pray you help me next week as well and that we'll begin thinking more about how we control our emotions and behavior and how really we need to turn our thoughts and ultimately turn our thoughts to you to fix our minds on things above where you are. So help us in that, Lord. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving my brothers and sisters here. I thank you for their love for me and my family and their love for one another. I pray that that would grow in this coming year. And again, it would be for the praise of your great name. So we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.